0: I am thrilled to announce that Enactor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD I started taking it a few years ago When I first started getting sober And to help with my anxiety Sadly, as one can do I was overtraining in the gym And a friend recommended a topical and a tincture To help with the pain I tried it, it was okay However, recently, I was introduced to a product That has really changed my life Not only has it helped me with anxiety But I am stronger than I have ever been I'm able to carry out lifts My body used to prevent me from doing Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform Tobacco Row into Hemp Row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code, Ryan, Ryan. 10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is KindFarmsInc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to an actor despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today on Enactor Despairs, we have iconic producer, founder of the Tribeca Film Festival, Jane Rosenthal. Jane Rosenthal has worked in this industry for such a long time and understands what it takes to make a movie, to run a festival, and the history of filmmaking. She's so iconic in New York and has done so much for this city. I'm so excited to have her on. Here it is. Jane Rosenthal, welcome to Enactor Despairs. How are you doing?
1: Really good, you know, for for a stay at home a stay at home April.
0: Yeah, it's a crazy time we're living in here in New York right now. You know, it's it's been uh it's been tough seeing the city hurt this way, but you know, I it's also been amazing to see how resilient our our healthcare heroes have been about staying in, in and and como and everything that's been happening. It's been inspiring, you know, that's the way I've been trying to look at it from that lens
1: uh without question and um, you know it's uh we have to really applaud everyone who's been on the front lines of this and are the real heroes and people we take for granted that are going to work every day whether it's uh the MTA delivery workers uh maintenance workers uh EMS, uh, all of the the doctors and the nurses. Um, it's been extraordinary to see the city pull together, and Governor Cuomo yeah. has been uh, a, a true leader at this time.
0: He really has. Um, but uh, I just wanted to say, you know, I'm I'm such a huge fan of yours and all you've done for cinema and artists around the world, and the Tribeca Film Festival. You know, my father and I go every year and we just binge tons of movies and, and it's literally our Christmas. It's the happiest times of my life are at the Tribeca Film Festival. So I have so much admiration and respect for what you've done with that festival. Moreover, what you've been able to do as a producer in your career and everything that you've gotten made and how you've helped so many artists get their careers started. It's you're a real hero of, of cinema and I just have immense gratitude for you.
1: Oh, well, thank you for saying that. That's uh, a little a, a little much, but I'll take the I'll take the compliment <laughs> and say thank you.
0: I mean every word of it. But uh, I usually, you know, just to get a th- th- this podcast kind of aims to understand how everyone got to where they are. So if if we could go from the beginning, where where did you grow up?
1: Uh, I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and I moved uh, to New York to go to NYU and uh, had uh, a great time at NYU ended up, it was still a film school. It wasn't, uh, sorry, it was still a film department. It wasn't uh, a film school and um, got to uh, learn a lot from a brilliant uh, teacher named Hag Minugian, um and ended up doing a lot of various independent studies, uh, including working for CBS Sports and uh, observing sessions at the Actors Studio. So, um, you know, for, as a kid from Providence, um, you know, New York was exciting, and I was lucky to have uh, be at NYU and have New York as my classroom.
0: I'm a, I'm an NYU alumni as well, Tish, all the way. That's amazing. And and was that uh, was that a really good experience for you, looking back on that?
1: It was an extraordinary experience. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I would get so excited if there were like, you know, I'd see I would see traffic uh, because growing up in Rhode Island, if there were two cars at a stop sign, um, that was considered traffic. So um, it, it, it was just, you know, just the the intensity of the city, the just every place you walked, you were walking through another country you had, uh, you know, between the sights and sounds and just the theater, the music, it was uh, the art. It was, uh, and the most spectacular, um I truly had some of the most spectacular professors uh, at the time. And, It learned a lot and, uh, you know, set me on my path.
0: That's amazing. So then talk to me when when you graduated, was there ever a deliberation about maybe going to L.A. or did you know
1: New York was for you? Um I stayed in New York until I had worked on a play uh, at the Actors Studio um, called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas and oh, went the- on to Off-Broadway at the time. And um, uh, I was uh, the assistant to uh, Pete Masterson, who was the director of the play, and I thought about staying in New York and then through... Um, A variety of different, um uh, People and internships and uh, things that I had been doing at CBS, uh, I was offered uh, a job in LA to do uh, television movies and miniseries. So this is back in the day when um, you know, movie if there were if there was a rating failure in, at the networks or only four networks at the time. So if there was rating failure, they would throw on a television movie. So wow. I was. Uh, Probably, uh, I was probably, uh, one of, I think I was probably the youngest, uh, highest ranking, uh, you know, executive at, uh, CBS at the time. I didn't have a lot, I didn't have any no- yes power. I had a lot of no power. Yeah. And I, um, anyway, I, I got to do television movies and miniseries and, um, there happened to be acute programming failure at CBS. So they throw on another television movie. And I spent five years uh, at CBS uh, in that position and worked on over 70 television movies and miniseries, which was just an extraordinary experience of um, watching things, uh, you know, go from inception of an idea, working with writers, and then... Um, you know, quickly going into production, watching dailies, watching uh, okay. directors put uh, the shows together very quickly and boom, they were on the air.
0: So you got a pretty good idea early on about what, what makes a movie work and what are its pitfalls and how you can fix movies or, you know, how you can work with, with things within, you know, filmmakers and, and ambitions. I imagine that must've been a real, like a, almost like a master uh, MFA film school, that experience. Um, it
1: was, it, it it was it was also at the time there were a lot of different social issues i was interested in doing and um there were They were not going to greenlight anything unless it had a particularly, you know, especially if it was remotely controversial, unless it had a (laughs) a specific, um, you know, uh, research. The the research had shown there would be X uh, amount of interest, whatever the metrics they were using at the time. And um, I quickly learned how to uh, manipulate the keywords um, that would... Make the test go up higher. So anytime I had miracle or God or seduction or just certain keywords, it would, um, you know, jump the research to another level, and then I would get approval of, or get approval of a movie. Of course, it then also was contingent on who you were going to cast and all of that stuff.
0: And I, missed, I must imagine that must have been like a, an amazing time. You probably discovered a Rolodex of actors at, at that time that have probably come on to, to be massive things now. Did you?
1: Uh, well, it was, um, I got to meet a lot of people and work with a lot of people. And uh, yeah, it was um, a uh, a really e- extraordinary time and an extraordinary, way to to learn and to work with creative talent and try to bring the best out of uh the best out of uh writers and directors and to find projects that were going to be both for um you know a general audience but have um hopefully be able to uh make some waves and uh I, I was fortunate to be allowed to to do all of that at the time
0: that's so beautiful and then where did you find yourself after after your five years there?
1: Uh, I had a very brief stint working at universal for about uh ten months, and then I ended up uh being called by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner, who had just left Paramount and were working at Disney, and they wanted somebody who uh, understood, Television and features I was at Universal doing features for that very brief time, yeah, and I went to work with um I went to work with Jeffrey and Michael, and that was like being in the marines um wow. it was a time at disney, it was a time at disney where uh You know, Jeffrey would say, if you're not here, uh, if you're not here on uh, Sunday, your job won't be here on Monday. Uh, No way. (laughs) It was um, uh, when they said, are you getting in early? Usually that meant at six. uh, And I had uh, a brand new, uh, I had a brand new car and the headlights went out i was just going to work in the dark and coming home in the dark it didn't do it wasn't very good (laughs) social life uh it was anyway it was a phenomenal experience um working with with those guys um and
0: uh uh, i imagine you develop leather skin from that
1: (laughs) uh, yeah well you you know part of it is you think you do but part of being working with creatives and being you know creative myself that you you know things do things do bother you you can't yeah. be that uh, you can't be that tough I was uh, one of the few women um, working in that group um, so um, you know yeah, yeah. different it, it, kind of things that bothered me at the time Um but uh, it was uh, it talk about you know that was uh, going to grad school, and it was at that time that I. Uh, I ended up working on the film The Color of Money and uh I got to meet uh, I worked with Scorsese on that. I was the production executive on it and um here is where my NYU experience really came in handy cuz uh Marty um really wasn't interested in talking to the studio executive but I could you know, turn to him and say, you know what? I had Haigman for a professor and I went to NYU and I watched your sight and sound films. <laughs> and so all of a sudden he was like, wow, you had Haig. Haig was like a father to me. Oh, Haig. So, um, it was uh, suddenly um, Marty. Let me sit by the monitor with him, or go to Dailies with him and Thelma Schoonmaker, and it was um, uh, it was an extraordinary experience. And then um, uh, after that was over, uh, he said to me, "What are you doing as a studio executive? You should meet my friend Bob." So I said, "Well, oh, well, okay, it's been." Uh, his friend Bob was Robert De Niro, who was working on the movie, um, who was working on the movie Midnight Run, and I went to talk to Bob, and we ended up talking on and off for about a year, and um, at that point, I had been living in L.A. for almost nine years, Wow. Saying, Bob kept saying, "Okay, the movie. You know, we want to start something. We want to. I want to have this building. I want to. You know, he wanted to clearly uh, be developing some projects that uh, he could direct and yeah. wanted to start. Wanted to start a company. And again, we talked on and off for about a year, but I was. Uh, But I kept saying, the movie business was in L.A., why was I going to move to New York? And any time I told my friends I was going to go work with this uh, quirky, macho actor in New York, they were like, what? You're going to fall off the face of the earth? And uh, (laughs) at the... At the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it became, I wrote a list of pros, cons, and intangibles, and you realize that the, 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 the cons kind of disappeared, and the intangibles were going to be intangible my whole life. And at the end of the day, I have to trust my instincts. If I can't trust my instincts, then what do I have? And and then I thought the worst that would happen. It, the worst that would happen is I would move to New York, and then if it didn't work out, I would move back to I could move back to LA and be a studio executive.
0: Total. So
1: that is. Uh, Thirty years ago,
0: wow! And yeah. you never, and you never went back to LA.
1: No, I didn't go back to LA. We, we did it. a lot of movies in LA, but uh, we, um, yes, I've been working with Bob for thirty years. And I, I imagine I there can't must believe I say <laughs> that. It just shocks me.
0: That's amazing. I didn't live
1: at home for thirty years. I just about knew my father for thirty years. You know. Wow, that's so funny, and that I mean, at at you guys
0: must have had magnetic chemistry to kind of build that rapport with an individual, and and to kind of you guys developed a production company together. Is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, we um, uh, we started. We uh, ended up doing the um, Tribeca, uh, the Tribeca. Um, a film center which um, when you kind of look at what that building is it was we work before we work um, and um, uh, started Tribeca productions together and then after uh, after 9 eleven uh, we ended up found, found we ended up Starting, uh, co founding the Tribeca Film Festival together, which is, uh, would have had its 19th edition, um, this April, but have a lot of that online
0: now so. yeah yeah that's wonderful that you guys are doing that that's amazing and then I'm, I'm curious to talk to you you know while you were making those films early on like I know you did the Bronx Tale amongst many others you know now we live in a time of, of intellectual property films you know it's it's, it's Marvel movies uh, or just something that's like a corporation's brand and you know a lot of those movies that existed in the 90s and even the early 2000s I, I don't feel like they would get made today. What was the experience like of like, you know, it, it's hard to believe that I would kind of look back on the 90s of nostalgia of like cinema was better, but in some ways I feel like it was because, you know, bigger studios were taking risks and making smaller budget films and it's the opposite of what it was now. What what was your experience like? like getting scripts from, you know, all different kind of works and finding ones that were... ripe for, for Bob or ripe for, you know, a different director? Like, talk to me about that.
1: Well, you know, as producers, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. It's not like you're at a studio where every studio needs to have a Christmas movie, a summer movie. Um, and, you know, certainly in, look, our business is so rapidly changing in terms of how windows are and how that, uh, um, how distribution is working. And, um, I think that the situation that we're in with, um, uh, with COVID nineteen and the number of you know uh, just how we have had to more things are going online than ever before, um, whereas you're not having um, theatrical people don't want to be, you're not yeah. having theatrical. There will be a theatrical model, of course that will will work without. Without question, um, it's just going to be it's going to be different. Um, We had um, so going back to your going back to your question. Bob was looking for something to, you know, the goal was to find something for Bob to direct and clearly a story like A Bronx Tale, which started out as a one-man play with Chaz Palminteri that we had seen and then developed it as a movie for him, uh, to Chaz was in and he, Bob Bob directed, was also in uh, Lorenzo the Bus Driver and, uh and, uh uh, that movie was, you know, done for, uh, you know, a specific budget, and was, yeah, uh, you know, sort of. It's it's amazing how um, when you look at that movie today, there are so many issues that are still uh as part of our society and um you know we talked early about who those who those first responders are who are people that are are you know still keep our cities moving and there are people like lorenzo the bus driver who yeah totally kept kept things kept things moving so uh Anyway, we did that, but when you talk about you know where that i p is or you you look at something like a Bronx tale, a Bronx tale uh, opened we did a a musical uh, theater version of a um, remember tale that is uh, was on Broadway for two years and is you know was touring um was touring the country um, and um you know we've uh you know we, you know, those stories are, you know, stories about human nature and um, the souls of who we are and the dynamic of families. I don't think um, those stories always resonate uh, with, with everyone. You can always identify whether you're... A a mother, a sister, a father, a brother, where, you know, those are, those are the human experiences that we, that we all share.
0: That's amazing. And then talk to me, you know, I didn't come to New York until 2008. What was it like when you started the Tribeca the first year? You know, I imagine, you know, the tragedy of 9-11 was just behind it. And obviously the Freedom Tower wasn't built yet. What was what was the you know, the experience like just being in the geography of downtown Manhattan was, you know, was that I know the Tribeca Film Festival is massive now and you guys have upwards of millions of people but what were those early years like
1: well um i was a block and a half um south on west street when uh the first plane hit uh hit the tower and so uh i turned around and tried to go back to my office because we were having a staff meeting that day um and uh I became... Pretty obsessed with um, how we could help our community because we weren't those first responders. We weren't the firefighters. Yeah, you know, we weren't firefighters, police. We weren't electrical engineers. We weren't uh, EMS. So, what could we do as um, as filmmakers, as producers, to bring people back downtown? And we announced November of two thousand and one. Uh, with Marty Scorsese and Meryl Streep and Ed Burns and then Governor Pataki that we were, um, and Bob, uh, that we were going to do a festival. And it was, I had no clue what that meant to really do a festival. I knew that I could produce a movie in three months, that of course I could produce a, I should be able to produce a film festival. Um, Although I didn't know anything about sponsorship, been activation and and all of that. Um, so I did know we had one movie that we could open with, which was a movie that we had produced with working title films, um, Tim Bevan and Eric Fellner, called About a Boy. Uh, I love About a Boy. We, so we uh, agreed to, uh, so I knew we would be able to open with that. Um one of the Star Wars was coming out and was going to be the last uh, week of the festival. And Bob called George Lucas, and he agreed to let us screen um, wow. Star Wars. And then I had to figure out; every- then we had to figure out everything else in between. But it yeah. was—it was really about—and um, then it was also because it was at this time that you were still you were still digging out. You went from a rescue mission to a recovery mission and, um, you know, downtown was still, was still smoldering and we just thought, okay, you can't just say, okay, we're going to have, we said we're going to have a film festival, but you had to do something. You had to have some kind of opening ceremony and um, uh, Bob called um, Nelson Mandela uh, who we had had at, uh, had been to Tribeca, um, uh, the Tribeca Grill, uh, years before when he had went on his first uh, on his first trip to New York when he had gotten out of Robin Island and we uh, and he came to he came to Tribeca and Mike Bloomberg had just been elected mayor and um, we. Sat. We we stood on the back steps of City Hall, and um, uh, President Clinton had come, and wow. Sport Coppola, and Mandela, and Whoopi Goldberg, and Hugh Grant, and um, it was uh, just a. Um, uh, and Craig Hackoff, my ex-husband, it it was really just a. Um, you know, extraordinary time where Mandela talked about the power of movies to heal. And that when he was in, when he was uh, at Robben Island, he would, they would have movie night and it was the one night that both he and his jailers, they would laugh at the same thing. They would cry at the same thing. It was just that power yeah. of being together. And, that was what we wanted to have happen at tribeca to show the world that we were still there and still strong and the power of artists to be able to convene and um give very much give our community something to look forward to and to say it was okay to come downtown and yeah uh, that was uh, that was the beginning of the festival, and I didn't realize that I had to do it again, or that I had to term contracts with uh, some uh, some sponsors, um, some wonderful sponsors, and um, here we are, nineteen years later, and the fact that we've postponed Tribeca because of this. Um, awful situation this global pandemic that we're in um is you know and that we can't gather and how do we as an industry how do we as artists uh bring bring people back together because that's what artists do all the time that's where so you know we're Bringing our festival virtually. Uh, we've been doing, um, a short film a day, Keeps Anxiety Away. You
0: can, I saw that online. I, lo- I love it. Uh, and, um,
1: and we've been doing one of those, uh, a day. And, um, you know, we have some, some other things up our sleeves we'll, we'll hopefully do in, in bringing, um, um, bringing the, world together through uh through stories and and film and music
0: yeah you certainly achieved that i mean i go every year with my father and it's it's our christmas i can't say that enough and i listened to an interview with you once where you 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 said it so astutely that you know film festivals are the original binge watching you know of of just going to a festival and you know either having to hop around different screening rooms or sitting you know at BMCC for eight hours and just being able to soak in all these incredible films what was it like you know getting to see so many artists I, I you know I imagine so many filmmakers got started by doing the the festival circuit you know I'm, I'm curious to, to ask you you know how how has it been for every year as you get submissions and I know like I believe last year you guys had eight thousand six hundred submissions. Is that is that a correct number?
1: Uh, it sounds about right. I think we're yeah. over that this year. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's in, it's interesting because also as the industry has changed, as more people have access to uh, to cameras to you know, cell phones and, you know, you think about uh in your pocket with your phone you can you can uh write, you can cast, you can finance and uh edit and distribute something. It's pretty extraordinary versus back in the days of when I was, you know
0: You need well, a million dollars. The
1: NYU yeah. film <laughs> department uh yeah. That wasn't called Tish, um, yeah. but uh, so you know, it's it's kind of exciting, and it's an exciting time to be in, um, you know, to be creative. Um, and there are just so many ways to be able to tell stories, whether we're telling stories through podcasts and or uh, telling stories in. Um, XR and VR or uh, some of the amazing uh, game creators that are out there and, um, you know, just, uh, wonderful uh wonderful narratives
0: yeah and I'm, I'm curious like ev- every year as as you guys do um you know acceptances for shorts and features and docs is is um is there something that like tonally it shifts every year what you're looking for what's right for the festival that year may not be right a different year I'm curious also to talk to you about like you know room for improvement I imagine you've seen many filmmakers apply that didn't maybe get in the first couple of years, but maybe eventually got in. Is that something you see a see a lot of?
1: Well, first of all, I don't. I'm not. Um, I don't get involved in the programming until the programmers have gone through and have been to almost every film festival and have gone through submissions and um, what does. Tend to happen year after year is there are themes that emerge um within the festival um based on what's gone on gone on in the world uh, the yeah. year before but um sometimes because you can only we can only show so many just so many films that sometimes uh you know you can't have. Five films on the same subject. So right. sometimes a film won't get in. It doesn't mean that it's not that it's not terrific. It just means we might have you know we don't have a way to program it um, in a curatorial way that well, that works for works for the festival. Um, that happens uh, particularly a lot with uh, the short films, but. Um, you know our our programmers uh Kusamana, uh um, Sharon Bedell, Ben Thompson um, uh you know uh Paula Weinstein who uh is our chief content officer and amazing producer herself um you know we um you know it just it takes a it takes a lot of a lot of balancing. Uh, yeah. Warren Hammond, who does all of our, um, you know, our XR, is always on the lookout for, uh, you know, new ways of storytelling. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's. Uh, it, it, It it ebbs it ebbs and flows, and inevitably somebody's always pissed it off. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's the nature of art, you know. Yeah, yeah. And You know, I'm curious to talk to, you you know, going back to what I said earlier, you know, independent film now, you know, we're seeing distribution methods change. But, you know, a lot of these movies that, you know, used to cost five million dollars, you know, Sony Universal, they're they're not making them anymore because they could make a Spider-Man 27 for 150 and make a billion on that. And a five million dollar movie making 25 million, the profit margin isn't as is big. And so I feel like a lot of these major studios are are taking less and less chances, and independent filmmakers have had to turn to festivals, and they're kind of the last haven that we have of seeing these films. I'm I'm curious about what you see for the future of, of independent cinema. You know, because I, I I growing up, you know, I used to you know sexualize in videotapes, got theatrical, and but I think a lot of those things now I I, I don't know if it would really happen today.
1: But this is uh, this is actually um, both a generational question, and it's also um, it's also the change in the way audiences want to see things. So. Let's not necessarily put it back on the studios for a second. Let's put it back on the audiences. The audience has more choice than ever before. How you watch, when you watch, uh, where you watch, uh, people want it now. And so if they decide they want to go see The Irishman in a theater, they could have gone to a theater. Yeah, or if they wanted to watch it at home, they could watch it on Netflix. It didn't mean that one was worse than the other. They're not mutually exclusive. Right. They're both different kinds of viewing experiences. You can do them both. Yeah, true. So I think, and, and you look at a movie like, um, like A Marriage Story or Two yeah. Popes, Those are those are very much. Um, movies of uh, the time you know that you were you were mentioning that have that independent spirit to them yeah. um, but you you know and certainly Netflix is making those uh, pictures and does have a commitment for for you know uh, for theatrical um, but our world right now is you know is, Completely changed what we're talking about right now in terms of theatrical and um, and distribution is uh, you know different uh, today because nobody can go to theaters right now. Totally, I mean, yeah. This will, all, this will come back, but it will come back in a a new way and um, perhaps in an even stronger way.
0: Uh, yeah. I think if anything, we as humans took for granted our, our ability to interact with each other freely. You know, we, we haven't had any pandemics. You know, we were lucky to, you know, it's really been 70 years since we've had a pandemic. And, and this is hopefully going to bring us together stronger than ever and make us appreciate the time that we do have together. And hopefully artists will flourish because there's no shortage of inspiration right now. But I'm, I'm curious what, what are the plans? So Tribeca is going to, is going to digitally released everything that was on the slate this year
1: uh for the industry um the industry will be able to go on to our extranet uh industry and filmmakers and see all the films that were in uh would be in competition and uh the juries uh there's Our juries actually met the other day uh, via Zoom, and uh, they will have um, uh, our artist awards, um, sorry, our jury awards uh, will be um, online. Um, We have our Now Creative Market, which is up now too, which is new online work, and um, that's... uh, exciting to see that, you know, all access through, uh, actually that's, uh, I believe on Skype. Um, and then we're doing, uh, Tribeca 360 in partnership with Oculus and that will be available. Uh, those programs will be available to any, anyone that has an Oculus headset. Um, and that's what we're doing so
0: far. That's so beautiful. That's amazing. And then, you know, kind of final question here, Jane, I'm curious, you know, there's, there's a lot of filmmakers out there, you know, who didn't get the chance like you or I to maybe go to a school like NYU. And, you know, who feel really kind of lost and are trying to, to navigate this business. I know this is a loaded question, but any, any words of advice or wisdom for those artists that are up and coming and trying to get their first film made?
1: There's so much stuff available on Google and classes available on Google and um, on on all social media that you can um, that are available for free um, and there are talks and um, uh, talks and conversations that are available I think you can get uh, an extraordinary conversation uh, get an extraordinary education by just listening um, to uh, to the folks that are out there talking about stuff uh, that said I you know, I I had a wonderful experience in film school, but I do believe it's, you know, uh, it's not just about um, going to film school. It's about the experience that you have. It's about life experience to be able to tell stories that you are unique and different and uh, have a... Uh, a point of view and have your own unique sound so it's not about trying to copy or mimic what is out there it's about having your own creative voice and um, trusting that instinct and trusting the fact that you're you're different and to be able to you know make that now more than ever with all the different social platforms of YouTube, Facebook, Insta stories, um, Vimeo. You can be Vimeo, yeah. you, can oh, be, yeah. you can be you can be you know, you can be creative and um, you know, you don't need a you don't need a film school education
0: uh, yeah you guys even had a 16 uh, year old filmmaker there last year with burning gain isn't that 19
1: 19 19 yeah, 19, yeah. 19, who, Incredi- who was at nyu who was a freshman at nyu <laughs> oh it yeah.
0: was I, I love that film i love wendell yeah. pierce so yeah. incredible yeah they're terrific yeah well, that's amazing. Well, Jane Rosenthal, thank you truly for your service and your time and coming on the show. I have such immense respect and gratitude and and I, I really looked up to you for so long and it, it means so much to me that you took the time to come on and and talk about your journey. And I really look forward to to soon enough when we can get back to to the festival and i'll I'll see you around.
1: I look forward to that. Best of luck. Stay healthy and stay safe and uh, stay sane.
0: Well, same to you, Jane. Okay. Thank you, you so much. Bye. 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 If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.